Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrill, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Hello friends, so um, yeah, what was my most frightening moment working for the Hong Kong triads? If you don't know my story, I, I left the Royal Marines, the commandos in the UK to run a business in Hong Kong. Within six months, I was chronically addicted to crystal meth. I was in clinical psychosis, which is a... Um, quite a severe form of schizophrenia and I was working in a nightclub Club Nemo in the red light stroke nightclub stroke Ganglang district Wan Chai in Hong Kong and the nightclub uh, Club Nemo was run by the 14k the 14k is Hong Kong's most uh, sort of savage triad gang right now I'd got the job. I was, uh, as we say in the UK, I was on the bones of my ass, right? So I had nothing left. I was homeless, sitting on my backpack. Um, I'd I'd walked into this club and just, you know, if if you need to read my book, Eat and Smoke, if you want to get the full picture right, is what I'm trying to say. So I'd walked into this club and the Dilo, which is the triad big brother, he's the gang leader. So he's going to run this area of uh, Wan Chai, right? And the 14K run Wan Chai. Um, you've got, for example, other triad groups in Hong Kong. The Sun Yion, they run Kowloon side. That's over the water. That's the mainland part of Hong Kong, right? So I get a job with a 14K as their doorman. And I was immediately like at home right you gotta remember gangs recruit people that have been rejected by society that's just a simple way you know simple analogy right um and so i'm suddenly gone from being homeless lost all my money sold my treasured rolex um chronic drug problem I'm in psychosis, but obviously I didn't know I was in psychosis because you don't, right? All my friends have gone and rejected me. And suddenly this, the triads have given me a job, you know? I was never a triad. I, I've never tried to say that. I, I was a doorman. I worked for them, right? The 14K run Wan Chai. If you want to run a club in Wan Chai, you need their permission, right? Or they're going to extort you. They're going to burn your place down. So I'm taking a fast and fascinating interest in this gang. You know, I'm suddenly working as a front man with all these psycho hard nuts, these big dragon tattoo thugs that you see in the Bruce Lee movies. Right. And they're looking after me. They're giving me money. They're chucking contraband cigarettes at me and go, Quissa, there you go, you know. And they're fighting alongside me when it all kicks off in the club. So as you can imagine, I've gone from nothing to suddenly having this family around me. And it was, you know, I, I was very proud of that. It, it felt good. 
But the trouble is, as my fascination increased, they, they so did their kind of like suspicion of me. And we had some, there was some strange incidents. Again, that they're all in the book, right? But there was also a guy, I, I nicknamed him Johnny Horsepower. I didn't know his name, uh, but he was a homeless guy. And he used to come into the club, nod at the Dilo, the triad big gang leader, the big brother, nod like that. And the Dilo wouldn't, we, he, the Dilo never looked at anyone. He'd always look away. And he, ne he very rarely speak unless he absolutely had to. And he just looked at this guy like that. Gives the guy permission, right? Guy would just walk around the club. Walk out again. That's all he did, right? It was kind of like in Hong Kong. If you're homeless, you are the lowest of the low. It's like you haven't made your golden Hong Kong fortune. You are... in. In Cantonese culture, you're scum, you're nothing, right? And it was like this guy was just asking for a bit of respect, you know, humanity. Can I just, like, walk around the club and then I'll be out your way and gone? The the, the issue was he'd come out to the um, stairwell where I'm standing as a doorman looking up, up these stairs and he'd want to stop and chat. And he used to grab my arm and pull me like this and he talked in this language. I It, it was all confused and looking back i'm guessing that this guy's mentally ill as well right he kept going you know the horsepower the horsepower and he was pointing at the air conditioning unit above our heads right and i really like i used to just go along with it and talk to him and he used to say me nothing me nothing no money no house me nothing and, and you know i was just trying to do my bit and I'd say Johnny you're my friend you know you are something and he'd be like huh so we had this kind of special bond right but a couple of really stupid thing happens on on my behalf and I generally didn't mean it badly I mean I'm not like a bad I've done stupid things as I'm always saying but I'm not a bad particularly bad person right um and the first was, in my effort to show that I knew the job of a doorman, because I'm thinking like UK doorman, right? This is Hong Kong. It's, it was also completely different over there. I've got this street fighter triad called Magi, right? It means little horse, means runner, right? He's a Magi. Bottom of the food chain as far as triads are concerned, but he's full-blooded Chinese and he's a initiated triad. And... Uh, Chu Chai, he's a street fighter. He's just hard as nails. When he kicks off, it just kicks off, as as I found out and I'm going to tell you, right? Um, or I'll certainly tell you that bit in another another video. This is my scared moment, right? So Chu Chai, I'm, I'm grabbing this guy. He's got their England white shell suit top. He's got jeans, white trainers. They all used to wear this like underground uniform, just like we did in the Marines with our desert boots and our green heli Hansons, right? The, the triads, they wore this as well. You know, they had their own um, underground uniform. It's one of the ways they communicate with each other, right? Below the radar. And so in my effort to show like, what a great doorman I am, I can do this job. You know, I'm a young, stupid, naive, fucking ex-Marine 
English child, really. You know, I was 25, but I'm 50 now. And when I look back, I made a lot of juvenile errors, right? So in my effort to show I know what I'm doing, I said, uh, Chuchai, this guy uh, popped up, popped up. And I spoke a reasonable amount of Cantonese. Not, I wasn't fluent by any means, but I knew a lot more than, than sort of most expats. Uh, popped up means take drug. And I'm not trying to like bad mouth this guy. I'm I'm just trying to show Chuchai that I know the job of a doorman. You know, I can recognize, you know, this guy's got these big staring eyes and it's like he's, you know, he's on something, right? And I wasn't trying to be a hypocrite because obviously I'm off my head on crystal meth. I was for kind of about six months. So, you know, best part of a year, but certainly six months solidly. No, I was just naively trying to show I know this job. But of course, in Hong Kong culture, taking drugs is absolutely taboo. Unless you've made your fortune, right? I know it sounds crazy. This is, you know, East meets West. This is called the uh, Eastern face, Eastern psychology, right? And that is that, you know, what the hell are you doing messing around, taking drugs and spending your money on that? A luxury when you haven't made your fortune yet. It's like you make your fortune first, then you can do all that stuff, right? That's that's it. And if you seem to be taking drugs in Hong Kong culture, you are scum again. Lowest of the low, right? So what I had essentially done without knowing it is I'm like outing this guy. You know? I'm like saying the worst thing that you just should shut up about. And Anyway... Johnny came back in a few days, you know, later, and this is towards my end of the end of my time working for the triads. And he wants to meet me right after work. And I'm, I'm like, Johnny, I can't talk to you now. Like I'm on the door, you know, I've got fights kicking off in there. I've got people that want to pay their entrance money and, and all this kind of stuff. It's like, I, 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 can I meet you in the morning? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where? I said, uh, seven o'clock in the park, right? Trouble is, I'm so off my head and I'm in psychosis as well, you know, so I'm kind of like living in a double world that when I finished at seven the next morning or it might have been eight, I don't remember, but I completely forgot. I just did what I always did. I headed back to my my squalor of a flat. I'm looking forward to chasing some more crystal meth off the silver foil. Right. You know, and I, I just genuinely forgot that I'd arranged to meet Johnny Horsepower anyway. There was a another Western doorman, you know. I say Western, he was South African. It's called Hendrik, right? And this guy was well in with the triads. He was like their their boy, you know. They'd saved him from from like alcoholism and sleeping in McDonald's, and they they'd given him a job as a doorman. So a bit like what they'd done to me, right? Except that this guy had worked for them for years now. He was well accepted, well trusted, right? fucking hated me he couldn't see that all my inquiries about like how do I speak the language you know what does what does a triad sound so he he just thought I was interfering and I was trying to like create trouble I wasn't I was just fascinated with this stuff right so um that's just to put you in the picture about like where he comes into it right so he's a doorman from another club it's called the um pink panther club that's a pseudonym, by the way. It's actually a club in Bangkok. But if you've been in Hong Kong, you probably know the club I mean. 
and he we've, he was brought over to work in my club and it was kind of like to keep an eye on me because I was making like you know a few of these novice errors right anyway I'm on the door one night I'm tapping my foot it's probably like two unlimited playing from the disco and there's you know punters few punters early evening wandering in and out it's about sort of eight coming between eight and eight and nine right in Hong Kong things don't really start kicking off until like gone 11 it's it's a, a city that never sleeps and the I see that one of the Hong one of the triad uh one of the triads not the dilo not the gang leader one of the tribes that worked in the club is chatting to one of the other triads, one of the doormen, right? There were two doormen, Chu Chai that I mentioned, and the other guy was called Daisu, right? He's this six foot seven, which is tall for a Chinese assassin. Excuse me. Every every so often, this guy smuggled over the border in China to do a hit on someone and then smuggled back. You've probably heard me say this story, right? So. Daisu's not in the club. He's he's off work for the time for this evening. Chu Chai's there and he's chatting with this other triad at the bar. And the other triad is like Paul Eng, my, the Dilo, right? It's like his kind of like right hand man. And Paul Eng's not there either. He's over at the Pink Panther Club doing some triad business over there, right? He's a very important man in Wan Chai. And I'm wondering what these guys are like whispering about. And then they had this real uh, dodgy looking Chinese girl talking to them. And if you've ever been in that kind of environment in Hong Kong, you know what I say if she's rough, you know, the sort of girl that's probably left many a sailor drugged up and walletless in a in a B&B, if, if you get what I'm saying. You know, just a bit sociopathic, a bit like... You need to stay, stay stay clear of her, right? And they're all looking over at me. And it's almost like they're making it obvious, but the Chinese would do that. If they were talking about you, they would look at you. And they would literally look and point at you when they were talking about you. It's, it's really weird. I don't know how you were supposed to like react to it, but it's just what happened. And they're doing that to me. And so I'm stood on the door and I'm, I'm just, I'm like starting to pick up on this. And you've also got to remember, like I've been off my head on that door for months now. Right. And I'm trying to hide it all the time. And I'm trying not to, you know, let my sort of quirky behavior that's coming out because of the drug show. And I'm trying, you know, I'm, I'm getting a bit kind of like a, bit overly anxious in certain situations there's one guy come in the club right he's a, an expat he's come over to live with his brother who lives in hong kong and i said to him on the door one night i said have you ever noticed anything like about these chinese guys he's like well what do you mean have you not noticed like the white shell suit top the gold jewelry the tattoos Blue jeans, white trainers, all of them, all the doormen in this area, thats they all wear the same thing, right? And he's like, mate, you're mad. You know, this, and then he walked on into the club, right? So I, I tell you that for a reason. 
So anyway, I'm there wondering, like, what have I done now? Who have I upset? You've got to remember, see my other video on Stubby getting chopped. My mate Stubby got chopped up really bad by the triads. They, it was a case of mistaken identity. Jumped out of a transit van. Ten of them attacked him with meat cleavers. Really chopped this guy, you know, this guy up. It, it's serious, right? It's, you know, life doesn't get much more serious than being off your head on crystal meth, in psychosis, working on the door for the world's most vicious criminal gang, right? So, yeah, I'm in a bit of a situ situation and I'm just, you know, trying to stay nonplussed, a bit calm. And all of a sudden this girl, like, makes a beeline for the door. And she pulls out a mobile and it's like she's making a play of making a call, but I kind of know she's not really, you know. And as she drew a parallel with me, she just barged into me. And it was, it almost just seemed so obvious she did it on purpose. And she turned around and she got a handbag and she looked at me and went, Pockeye Guaylo, right? Pockeye Guaylo, it means fuck off, devil man, right? All Westerners are called Devil Man. You just get used to all or, 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 or Devil Ghost or or White Ghost. This kind of thing. Um, um, I mean, Guaylo literally means Devil Man, right? Anyway, so I mean that in itself didn't bother me. But Pot Guy is like you never say that to anyone. It's Hong Kong's highest form of insult. It's like we'd say fuck off, but. You know, you can say that even to someone in the heat of an argument and like nothing's going to come of it, right? Hong Kong is different. You say that to someone, you, you're making them lose face, right? They're going to hold that grudge against you for life until they get retribution, right? So she shouldn't have said that to me. Now, now I didn't want to give her the satisfaction of reacting, so I just went, ah, sorry, love, I don't speak, uh, don't speak Chinese, right? Ooh, stupid thing to say, right? She just turned around with a fucking look of the devil in her eye. She's like spitting anger. She just turned and she walks back over to the two triads at the bar. And just then I start to think, Chris, that wasn't really too smart, you know? That wasn't really too smart. Should have just fucking ignored it, right? In that instant, the two guys at the bar start doing the, the looking over thing again, right? Then they pull out their phones and they're like, they're looking at me, typing in their... F and it's, it's obvious that they're calling people and they're calling them about me, about what I've just done. I mean, that's how it seems, but I'm stood there kind of thinking... Uh, kind of hope it's not about that, you know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm misreading this. Um, yeah. Anyway, before I knew it, this bouncer, fourteen k triad from one of the other clubs, comes bounding down the stairs into my club. Two stairs, you know, taking two steps at a time. He just looks at me, and went, "Fucking Guaylo, we're gonna kill you." And just walks into my club, and I'm like, ah, 
I'd always got on quite well with the other triad, you know, the the other doorman on the club. Some of them I thought quite like me. I used to go up and give them, you know, light their cigarettes for them and stuff. And if you understand Cantonese culture and giving people face, that was like, wow. They just thought, the, you know, they thought the world of me then. I'd get giving them a light, a Westerner giving them a light. It's It's a bit complex. But anyway, this guy's just come in my club. And some of these boys... They just looked hard. Do you know what I'm saying? They looked hard. They looked almost like they came from some horseback clan in the north of China where they've been punching the heads of the Mongols in. Do you know what I mean? They've got these thick jaws and really small, short but stocky bodies, right? The guy that had come in and said that, he'd been in the club a week earlier. And he came up to me and went, ha ha! We just smashed a guaylo, right? He held his hand up. All the skin was off his knuckles, both hands just bleeding, where an American ship had come in. Some of the Americans had fucked up and done something wrong in one of the clubs. And all these boys, they just get their phone and they broadcast a code word or they call and they just say one code word. That then gets put out to five more phones, 10 more phones, 20, 40, 100, 1,000, you know, whatever it might be, all around Wan Chai, everyone will come running from the restaurants, from the clubs, from the nearby houses, all just, just to fight for the 14K, right? And so they'd done over this American ship and just beat beat the fuck out of these sailors, basically. And the guy, his hands were so blooded that it you could see how he'd just obviously gone to town on these guys and not had any, you know, nothing came back on him, right? So I'm in there, and then the next thing, like another triad comes in, and another before, I, and they're all going, <laughs> I'm gonna die tonight, you know, and they're all coming into the club, right? And I'm, I'm, they're all stood at the bar. 10, 15 of them, and they're all doing the look, the looking at me thing. <sighs> Fuck. Yeah. Like, my heart is just dropped, dropped now. And, like, my mouth has gone dry. And it's like everything's gone sterile. The hook, the, like, the environment's gone, st I can't, you are, you might know what I'm talking about if you've ever been in this situation. It's like I knew I was gonna die. Like I I I it I knew it. I'd fucked up. The guys are there. They're not gonna let me forget it. And I gotta pay the piper now, you know? And this sterile white glow just took over my world. My mouth's just gone dry. My heart is just like pounding, pounding. And it's dropped, like, feels like it's like dropped to the floor. And I'm stood there facing the inevitable, right? When I later, in later years, I saw those video, you know, I saw one of those beheading videos in Iraq. Like, I knew exactly how the guys in those videos must have felt knowing that pff, 
and you know they've got seconds left to live and it 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 wasn't just the most frightening thing i i experienced while working for the triads it's the most ex frightening experience i ever had in my life right in active service in combat in the marines in in in, in you know in a northern ireland conflict i i never had a single moment i was scared didn't didn't care just you know if I copped a bullet, I copped a bullet. If things went bang, they went bang. And fortunately, you know, well, they did all of that, but I didn't get caught up, you know, caught. I didn't catch one. I was never scared, right? In this situation, I was just terrified. I mean, I don't mean I was terrified like I was going to piss my fucking pants. I'm just stood there taking it in, right? Next thing, down the stairs comes that guy. The guy who's come to live with his brother, right? His brother, who is always in this club, hanging around with the triads. And the guy came in and uh, he just looked and went, <laughs> he said, do you remember the other day? You told me all the triads were white trainers. He said, ha look. And I looked down and he's got the blue jeans and the white trainers, right? And I maybe I got this like, you know, I've got the wrong end of the stick here. But to me, I thought he was telling me, like, you know, I'm in with these guys. There was something you if you read my book called The Foreign Triad, which made this all the more confusing. So my heart's like pounding even more now. Right. And then this doorman appears. The guy Hendrick, you know. He comes up to me and says, so, are you going to get it now, Chris? It's like, what? What did you just say? He says, I said, you're going to get it now. I don't... Drink, what the fuck are you talking about? He said, the other morning. He said, the other morning. No, he said, that time, you told Chu Chai, Johnny takes drugs. And it, hit me oh my god i did didn't i i but i didn't mean it like that fuck oh fuck what a fucking twat you know what an idiot this guy's homeless he's the lowest you know he's got nowhere to go what did i do stupid bloody clever clogs here i only went and told the triad that he's taking drugs like to make it's going to make his situation worse right oh and i could suddenly I could understand now what this was all about. In their eyes, I was a fucking horrible person, right? Next thing, this drip turns around and went, and, um, oh no, and I turned around and I said, Drick, fuck off. So I didn't tell him he took drugs. I said, I, you know, I said I was just trying to do the job of a doorman. I was making him aware that, like, I knew what, you know, I wasn't trying to grasp the guy up. I'm trying to show that I knew how to do the job, right? He went, who were you supposed to meet in the park yesterday morning at seven o'clock? And you didn't even fucking bother to turn up. Oh, fucking hell, idiot. For all you fucking idiot. Shit. I felt awful. I completely forgot about Johnny. Fuck this guy over twice now, right? 
And in that moment, like I now I understood, I understood what all this was about. They were looking to set me up for this. They were looking to do me in, right? So I'm stood there and I thought, do you know what? Fuck them. I'm serious. This, and with that thought, this, this, this terror, it just starts to lift, you know, or almost like just like seagulls leaving my shoulders. I thought, I haven't done anything wrong. I didn't mean to do though, you know, I, I didn't do what they think that I've done. And like, look at them all fucking clicky gangsters, you know, all big and hard together, aren't they? Do they think they're going to scare me? They've got no idea what a Royal Marines commando is, have they? They've just got no idea. Like, what do they think I'm going to do? Like, run up the steps and go and wrap myself around the nearest copper and start crying and ask him to take me home to mummy, right? I'm like, that ain't going to happen. And uh, I thought, fuck it, I'll fight. I'll fight. You know, they're going to do me in, right? I'll fight. The next fucking chancer that comes and gives it that guilo shit, I'll just fucking punch him in the face, right? But then, like, I got to thinking, but hang on, this doesn't make sense, right? If they're all going to, like, drag me in this club and do me in and then just chuck me out the back exit like they, they did to the Thai prostitute who collapsed that time, right? Well, hang on. There's people in this club that know me. I've known some of these people four years. What are they going to do? Just sit there and just like watch this, you know, even if they're in cahoots with these guys, it's still going to be on their conscience, right? What about the police start asking questions because like I've been reported missing, you know, the the, the, the British consular who wants to know where, where did your doorman go? Oh, well, he was, you know, he was just kind of standing there one minute and uh, then he spontaneously combusted, officer. That, it, it didn't make sense, did it? They couldn't do me in. It would have been stupid. You know, they, they, where would he got rid of my body? What, what? And I started to suss it then, you know. This is a fucking setup. I don't know why. I don't know if like they've they've sussed that I'm on the crystal meth and they know that I'm probably wary, a touch paranoid now and again, and they they think this is really clever. I don't know if it's that they think I'm a bit interfering because I've got this interest, you know. Um, I I just I generally if you tell me now, I just say read my book, read Eat and Smoke, and then you you come and tell me right. But then a strange thing happened. I look up to this top doorway in, in up this the stairwell. And my Filipina friend's coming in, right? This is a girl. She's obviously a domestic helper in Hong Kong. So she's like a house, you know, what we used to call a housemaid, right? Or a nanny, right? She always should get time off in the evenings, which is unusual for the Filipinas. They never, they only got Sundays off. This girl used to get her evenings off. She used to come out dancing. Whenever she saw me, she'd always come and have a dance with me, right? So she's my friend and we, you know, we liked each other, right? And I look up and she's coming into my club. She never used to drink in my club. We always used to meet in a club called the Big Apple, which was across the street. 
and she's coming down into my club a step at a time like this and she's looking like a frightened fawn you know like a frightened deer her eyes are all big and she's looking around and she came up to me and she said Chris they fucking with you don't say I said anything or they'll kill me I'm like, I didn't say a thing. I just pretended I we didn't even have that. I, she walked into the club, right? They're fucking with me. Don't say I told you or they'll kill me. Yeah. Fucking serious central. Do you see what I'm saying? You're not, it's hardly surprising I came back. I was like a bit, probably a bit traumatised. Um, Yeah. So I stood there and I, I gave it, you know, I gave it some time. And uh, like she went off and disappeared. And then this doorman comes back, right? And he's still trying to give it the big intimidating one. He's like, yeah, you're going to get it. And I was like, fuck off. <laughs> Seriously, I, I, I didn't care by then. They, they couldn't intimidate me, right? You know, you can get to a point where you're so you're not scared anymore. And when you just make that decision to fight back, it it it's it's got that moment's gone, right? So I just slapped this guy in the back of the head. I walked into the club. All these tries are there, like you know, giving it this try, try trying to frighten me, right? And I just done a Michael Jackson spin, and then went and out, then then like walked onto the dance floor, and um, yeah. So I hope that answers your question. That was without doubt my uh, most frightening moment. Um, and as I said, like I, if you can, you could pay me a million pounds. I still couldn't really tell you what the hell that was all about. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe, and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username. Chris Thrall. Instagram, Chris.Thrall. Thank you.